You're listening to What a Waste of Time. This is Jim speaking. I'm here once again with Nick. Hello. Uh, and my new comment to the podcast, my good friend Roy. Hi. Uh, right, so today the subject, there's a few things I want to talk about that kind of all come under the heading, I guess, of unpopular opinions. Mm. So I'm going to set the timer for one hour. There we go. Um, right, so I guess the way, I, the way into this, the angle, is maybe sort of... Because uh, I feel... There is this sort of strange thing about like when media is released that um, we all somehow become aware of what the op- the popular opinion is. Mm. Like, oh, is it? Like, there'll be some sort of simple assessment made. Like, oh, it's good. It's good, but not as good as the book. Or, or it's this one's terrible. Don't go watch it. Um, and it's the weird thing is is that I when you when you try to sort of assess where that comes from and how we know that it becomes less tangible like you just like becomes smoke in your hands yeah uh there's there's a story uh where like i was under the understanding that most people thought that x-men 1 and x-men 2 were good um and this is my issue <laughs> yeah, I, I just i off at, at the time as a preface to just to another point i just said oh just discla- like since x-men 1 and x-men 2 are good and i was about to get onto my actual point when both <laughs> nick and our housemate richard went well well <laughs> and i mean, I mean... Is, and and then and then but it's like well fine you two may not like x-men 2 but but um like most people do and then trying to prove that yeah. was impossible because i was yeah. like well look at the rotten tomato score yeah but rotten tomato isn't reliable for everything. I mean, it's like it's not really an accurate assessment of anything at all. Um, yeah. So yeah. So, so the way yeah to to start the subject, like how do we know what the popular opinion is? Largely, we don't. I mean, my my take is that a lot of this is going to come up against the whole problem of social media echo chambers. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, most people I know, Jim. Um, <laughs> Actually, no, I, I was going to say, like, think Pacific Rim is good. That's a lie. Lots of people I know think it's trash, and they are terrible people, and I hate them and want them to die. Jim. I'm indifferent <laughs> about it. I just, but just, I'm sorry, giant robots are enough for some people, and they, they don't do it for me in the same way. That's so much more. <laughs> but anyway, the, 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 the main thrust of it is that if you move in similar circles where you attract people who have similar likes and similar interests, mm-hmm. you will find that often your opinion will line up in certain ways. Yeah. You get these occasional moments where you get a vivid window into a really strong difference of opinion. I think for a lot of people, the most recent Star Wars film yeah. was that. Because we had the unfortunate thing that we both really enjoyed it. This is gesturing to Jim and myself, for uh-huh. the benefit of Roy. Um, <laughs> and we found that our housemate did not like it at all. And that was a very kind of, oh, normally we're all kind of least loosely on the same page with regards to how yeah. we feel about media as a whole. And that can be very challenging. Whereas, like, and even then, I think that film specifically has been incredibly polarising. Yeah. And there are lots of people who really, really dislike it. And lots of people who really, really I mean, like and, it. And this is part of what, what interests me is because it's like, I'm like... 
both sides. Well, no, the side that like it are sort of aware of the side that don't like it and be like, oh, that's a bit weird. But the, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of people on the side that don't like it who are just completely unaware that anyone liked it and just just believe that the popular opinion is taken as read that the film is trash and worse than the prequels. Whereas that opinion baffles me. I was like, well, what are you talking about? Like, you don't like it. You like it less than Clone Wars. Uh, <laughs> But then, but then, yeah, there's similar things that in Star Wars is a sort of good example. Like, everyone seems to, like, no matter what your opinion is of the individual films, it's sort of understood that the popular opinion is Empire is the best of the original trilogy. The prequels aren't as good as the, as the original trilogy. Mm. Um, but then I find myself in, in positions like that of, of um, find it, like, believing what the, uh, unpop, uh, what the popular opinion is and then finding that my own opinion is different. Um, I, a good example is um, I've heard uh, before going to see both Murder on the Orient Express and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Mm. I heard your assessment first. Oh, um, films. exactly! Like you, really, like you, really like oh no, they're awful. And yeah, I, I went to see them anyway. And both of them, like they weren't good films, but both of the times I was like, oh, I'm enjoying this more than I was expecting to. Mm. Um, so it's yeah, so it's sort of interesting that the like. Find, trying to find what the popular opinion is, but then <clears throat> discovering that, in some ways, the like the popular opinion might a, a might not reflect your own views, or b might not be accurate at all. Well, one of the things I think of when I think popular opinion is who are the gatekeepers, who are the arbiters of what is like the general consensus on how we feel about mm. a thing. Yeah. And one clear illustration I've seen of how that's somewhat fallen apart is I used to go to Reading and Leeds Festival every year from, I think, like 2006, 2007, up to about 2011. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, when the lineup was announced, everyone was like, oh, man, this yes, this band's headlining, this band, this band, this is great. We all like these bands. This was back in the time when Enemy was really in its head, heyday, oh, yeah. and everyone loved that. Like, they closed up recently, didn't they? They had, which kind of leads into this, because now Reading and Leeds' most recent lineup has come out, and it's been a rather chaotic response of just... A lot of people are calling back to the time 10 years ago. Like, look at these bands. Everyone loved this. And now there's a lot of individual artists that these people like this person, these people like this person, but not a really strong idea of like, yes, this, all of this appeals to what this group of people like and they're all going to come and love it. Now it feels like there's a lot of lineups and stages where people see these three artists and then be bored by the rest. Yeah. And I think the collapse of the enemy as a magazine they were one of those arbiters of like, okay, this is the new cool band that everybody's going to like. So when that like class of artists goes on to headline stuff, everyone agrees, this is great, let's all go to it. Yeah. I think the influence of such institutions is starting to wane, especially with the rise of social media and people oh, yeah. valuing their own opinions more. The democratisation of opinion on the internet is like... Yeah. It's, it's something that I feel... We're starting, as a, as a civilization, I think we're starting to kind of understand yeah. that this is a thing. Because I think over the, like, up, if you go back, like, five, six years, no one would have really thought that, like, I, I, I hate to use the term, cultural influencers, mm -hmm. you know, like, <laughs> basically people on YouTube, yeah. would have any real kind of um, emphasis or, like, ability to affect the discourse of a film, TV show, music, or whatever. But now more and more, as like more and more people are consuming not only the majority of their media through these um, specific you know, um, web-based um, areas, but also they are then getting opinions from people within that space as well, yeah. you get 
you have a lot more room to be individual, but you also are exposed to a greater diversity of opinions in the other world. Because you, you talk about, like, the NME. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a single magazine, you know, or, like, you can do it with film as well. Like, you have, what, Total Film, Empire, um, give me another UK-based film magazine. Uh, no, okay, well, <laughs> I don't know anymore. You, know, you, like, you have like Kermode, you have Siskel and Ebert, you have critics who had a platform, but now everyone has a platform. We're kind of having to reevaluate what our, you know, why we feel that this platform or this opinion particularly matters. Yeah, and it's 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 sort of good and bad in a way, because uh, on the one hand, I th I think. A lot of, uh, you know, the way we've seen sort of political progression of, like, things to be, seem to be skewing a bit more left, people are a bit more progressive, people are a bit more aware of, of uh, minority groups and, you know, normally silenced voices because the technology and the internet and the, the platforms we have now mean that anyone can express their opinion. Admittedly, mm -hmm. uh, there's so many opinions that might be difficult to be heard, but it's, it's now possible for uh, certain voices that maybe wouldn't be listened to before be, to be heard, so people have a greater understanding of different perspectives. At the same time, uh, it's also bad that basically now everyone is encouraged to offer their opinion on something. Um, and I know I'm just going to put some giant air quotes around their opinion. Well, exactly, some people don't have to have a bloody opinion. I mean, that's like, like, like the, we need. I mean, there is a sort of lack of critical thinking. Uh, I believe that should be taught better in schools, and there is a lack. Of, and there's it's often like people sort of express things when it's like, well, there's no real need to express it. Like, even if you dislike The Last Jedi, there's no need to go harass Ryan Johnson about it. Mm. Um, and and I sort of remember there's something that uh, author John Green has been uh, saying, which is he's trying to have fewer opinions. That doesn't necessarily mean that opinions are bad, but just by getting rid of opinions that are unimportant or you know or trivial, that like, oh, I no, like, I no longer have an opinion on um, Taylor Swift. Like, she doesn't influence my life in a meaningful way. Mm. Like, it's fine that she exists, I have no opinion on her. And then that, what that happens is, is then the opinions that you do have become your sort of core beliefs. And yeah, the ones you, that are you, really you important. You could put more, to... more into supporting yeah. those beliefs yeah. and perpetuating them. And I think that's definitely an attitude that might benefit the internet because it's like, I, you look at the lower half of the internet sometimes and you're like, why did you need to contribute that? I mean, I mean, as if I if I may, as the um, straight white male of the podcast, <laughs> um, I'm also doing a similar thing where, like, in I'm trying to improve myself as a person and improve my ability to interact with people online um, because sometimes I've definitely been guilty of not necessarily gatekeeping in the same way, but there is still definitely a part of me where sometimes I'll see people who I have negative opinions of showing an interest in a thing that I think is good. And I have feel this tremendous sense of, no, you can't like this band, or you can't watch this thing, because you won't get it. And that is a ridiculous position to hold. <coughs> it is utterly ridiculous, because the whole point is that if they consume media that I think is good, if I believe in that media to be good, the transformative power of it may improve them as people. I got weirdly protective over someone, like, talking about a set of video essays that I really like. And I was like, you won't get it! And I just realized, I was like, I'm getting angry at someone for, like, the idea of them using educational tools that will only improve them. And it, it's so ingrained, because, you know, you want to be protective of the stuff that you like. Because this comes back to a thing that we've spoke, spoken about a lot on the show previously, which is people rooting facets of their identity in the stuff that they like yes because it, it's i mean you, you get this a lot in music yeah like there's a, you know you what you like these bands and these bands are the 
the best ones. Yeah, like there's this idea of uh, proper music that was a real rockest thing. Again, about ten or so years ago, where like people who make music with guitars are the real musicians. They were the ones you'd expect to see win awards and rise up the ranks of festival lineups, etc. Mm-hmm. And part of what I'm mentioning about the chaotic response to any, uh, Reading and Leeds the Reading and Leeds festivals most recent lineup announcement is that there aren't a lot of those kinds of artists featured mm. and where they are featured people are like yes it's important where they and other people are like no you should shine more of a light on these kinds of artists like I think Wireless Festival O2 Wireless Festival has like two females in its entire lineup Ooh. and people are like what is going <laughs> on so yeah whereas in the past that's probably happened god knows how many times and no one said anything of it because the popular opinion was just so complete everyone was on yeah. board with it mm. now there might have been in the past people who dissented that but you'd hardly hear from them but now that voice has way more like a impact exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's much harder to just say this is the opinion that's it things are very much in flux yeah. a lot more now so this yeah that does touch on another topic I want to discuss which is basically when you find yourself in a position where you feel as if you disagree with the popular opinion uh, then it becomes you, how do you handle interacting with people who uh, disagree with you or who um, or, or how do you express your opinion um, in like in a way that like yeah it doesn't turn into like a combative experience yeah. like, no I'm right no I'm right is this, is, when, is this when me and Roy fight about the Dark Knight movies I mean sure you, you, can, <laughs> you can if you like it's like, like okay but I don't have many things where I feel that like I take against something that's considered universally adored because mm. like you know blah, blah, what is that but in the case of the Dark Knight movies my favourite one is Dark Knight Rises because okay. it's a ridiculous trash fire and I love it. <laughs> okay. Like, whereas the other two are so... For me, it you know, they are mawkishly, overly serious. Um, like... Christian Bale is a fabulous Bruce Wayne. He is an atrocious Batman. I, I mean, I agree with that. <laughs> um, the plotting of all three movies just doesn't really hang together for me as something that I find compelling or nevertheless believable and also this is also rooted in the fact that as a guy who grew up reading a shitload of comic books i've never really liked batman that much like the idea of batman never really appealed to me that much because he was batman occupies this really weird space i'm not going to go into this too deeply because this is not the topic but (laughs) dc the basic idea is that dc was the superheroes that we would want to be marvel was the superheroes that we would probably be with the notable exceptions on both sides of Captain America, he is an aspirational figure within the context of the Marvel Universe because mm-hmm. he's essentially, I am the living embodiment of the American exceptional idea. I am what a lot of American kids want to be. And Batman is like, we don't really want to be Batman. Batman is probably what would happen if we tried because he's driven, he's you know miserable, he's traumatized and broken, but he's also ruthless and effective he's quite a dark character set against a background of tremendous light i looked at dc as something that like i read those stories and i was just like i really like fucking superman or whatever because like it was something to aspire to whereas batman always felt kind of at odds with that so as a result when you get these movies by christopher nolan which really kind of try to make him oh it's so difficult being batman and i'm just like fuck off you're batman you're a millionaire yes your parents are dead lots of people's parents are dead you know, why not actually influence something other than street-level crime with your massive billions of dollars, Bruce Wayne, you 
fucking white collar <laughs> bastard. Yeah, I, you know, and so I feel I, I don't feel ever like threatened or necessary that I'm being unfair to it. Like I don't feel that people are necessarily hostile or to me, or I feel like I'm missing something because I've seen the films, I've examined them, and for my metrics, I they don't work for me. And as I as a thing, I'm, I'm in the habit of saying a lot. We're allowed to like different things, <laughs> which is a mantra I'm trying to keep. You know, it's for me, it's never really like liking different things that's the problem. It's liking the same thing, but in the wrong way. Yeah. That's the nuance that really. I mean, gets to, me. yeah, to expand on the Dark Knight trilogy, there's that Key and Peel sketch where Key <laughs> expresses, the expresses the opinion that, oh, I, I, I didn't think the Dark Knight films were all that Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, and then everyone else sort of treats it as if, it, as if it's awkward. And it's like, well, yeah. why is that awkward? I'm just expressing an opinion. It's, you're, you're allowed to disagree. I'm just expressing... That's why I prefaced it by saying, I know I'm in the minority. Um, and then it goes on to reveal, like, that eventually this, this guy keeps, uh, played by Jordan, uh, kept trying, trying to make it awkward to the end, yeah. like, Key, like, grabs him by the face and just says, have an original thought! It's like, Give I me an opinion, an honest opinion. I, I don't have any opinions. I just say what everyone else wants. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, think, I think it is kind of true that a lot of people like the Dark Knight films simply because the popular opinion seems to be that you like them. This is what a Batman's is. Yeah. And you're like, ah, yeah. the Batman's. Well, yes. to be fair, like, I appreciate you kind of couching your dislike of those films in like reasons for why you don't like them. Because I think we might have touched on this earlier that when people really put a personal stake in their opinions, yes. the discussion ceases to be about the thing. It's more, about, more about, I feel like you're attacking me. I'm right yeah. for liking it, you're wrong for not liking it, etc., etc. Yeah. I like the films. I thoroughly recognise their failings. I don't like them and think they are the best, and if you don't get that, then you just they're too too intellectual for you. Don't get yeah, anything yeah. like that. Nolan's working on a whole different level, man. I mean, you need yeah. to have a very high IQ to understand Rick <laughs> and Morty, you know, because a lot of the jokes that they're making, like I've seen that used as a joke when it comes to I hope as a joke, you know, when it comes to Rick and Morty. Like mm. if you oh. really get stuff, then you're like Rick and Morty. Otherwise, it's yeah. over your head. You don't get there's it. There's there's a brilliant yeah, example like, of the of mainstream opinion. Ruining a show for yeah. me. But to touch on the, the Dark Knight series, just again, because when it comes to Christopher Nolan in general, I like his films, but what I tend to recognise with his films is he makes very effective moments that make you go, whoa. Like, mm. I vividly remember the Joker's heist at the start, and mm. his, I'll make this pen disappear. Moments like that, when you leave the cinema, that's what sticks, and you, you, you leave thinking, man, that's amazing. Often, if I revisit his films, I find myself thinking, man, this film ends a lot. <laughs> there's the two boats and it ends but then he fights the Joker and it ends but then there's two face and it ends like pick, make it in my yeah. <laughs> he's got to run now. <laughs> yeah so, because yeah. he we will chase him because he can take <laughs> it he's the Gotham that hero <laughs> deserves wait Jesus. what no yeah <laughs> so in the in the moment I'm like whoa yeah that's so deep and that hits him exactly when I watch it again I'm like eh. <laughs> yeah there's nothing down so yes I have an affinity for them but I recognise they have failings and if anything I enjoy discussing with people who don't like it because it might shine light on things I miss and I might do vice versa for Therein them. is a healthy attitude to have. So that is, and I feel that's come with aging because a lot of things, I can take, like, just a slight sidestep. But I, yeah. The last game console I had was a PlayStation 2. Ooh. Yeah, it's been I'm, a while. I'm real. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yes, it has. Like, I've never had online gaming and stuff like that. I've missed out on an entire generation of gaming. But I remember really wanting to play, like, I wanted the PlayStation 2 a lot. I used to dream about it in the Argos catalogue and be like, I can't wait to get this. It. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Then I really wanted the PlayStation 3, but when it was announced, it was like five, six hundred pounds or something. Way thought, too expensive. No, I'm even going to get that. I'm not even going to bother asking. And ever since then, to some degree, 
I've become somewhat detached with the popular thing. Mm. So I'm not so like, this is the best thing and I love it and if you don't like it, you're wrong, etc. So whatever comes now, I'm not too attached to this is good or it's bad. It's more like this is, this is the natural evolution with its positives and negatives. Mm. So to, like, we've just done a podcast, I've just done an episode of my podcast which is more centred on music saddest night out, check it out online. <laughs> um, <laughs> and when it comes, there was a certain point with music where I've kind of there's a saying about the Simpsons like when you're a kid you love Bart Simpson and as you grow up you sympathise with Homer Simpson mm. more right now I'm kind of in a Principal Skinner phase because <laughs> <laughs> he has this classic quote where he's like esteemed clams yeah, oh man that's, I've watched so many of those videos I thought you were we were having steamed clams no I said we were having steamed hams <laughs> well, well, yeah, you call hamburgers like steamed clams it's original thing yeah. this part of the country <laughs> localised entirely in your, in your kitchen, kitchen. Yes. Can I see it? No. no. <laughs> You're an odd fellow, Seymour. But you steam a good yeah. hand. Seymour, the house is on fire. This is for one waste of time, but also we're not just going to do Simpsons riffs. That's not... I refuse, I refuse right. to next, let that next be episode, Next episode. Next episode. I'm here be. for that one, definitely. <laughs> My people. <laughs> but yeah, so but, you're, but, the, you're the principal Skinner yes, phase. There is a quote of his where he says... Oh, is it me? Am I out of touch? No, it's the, the children, children that are wrong. wrong. Yeah. And I felt that way a lot with music. A lot with music. There are a lot of artists where I just feel like, really? This is the guy? This is the one we're all kind of rallying around? But I'm starting to accept that as part of ageing, there's that habit of, this is the stuff I liked when I was a certain age, yep. and it will forever be the best thing, and nothing else will come close to it. I got like a whole thing in me about <laughs> how much I hate trap music, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, why? There's so many elements of different kinds of music, which is like... What, what are you doing? I can fall into that trap. What are you all doing? You're wrong. This yeah, is what you should yeah. be listening to. What I, what I have found useful, though, actually, I saw a really useful video, which was... Um, I can't remember who it was by, actually, but it was on YouTube. It was basically looking as how... Um, was it you went from garage music to dubstep mm-hmm. and sort of explaining the logical progression of thing iterating on thing and thing iterating on thing and look, look yeah. saying like take from this song and the way that this was a massive thing at the time yeah. and it, how it has evolved mm-hmm. i feel like that there's a tendency with most forms of media to consider them as a singular thing which i feel like the the more healthy thing is to try and consider individual parts as a, a part of your larger media diet like what are you taking in what is this saying to you and where has this come from? You know, is this an organically grown, for lack of a better term, thing? Like, you know, I look at some forms of music that are, you know, becoming popular. Say, like, I really fucking can't stand Migos. Like, they fuck, Migos sucks. They're so bad. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. When, and I, you know, I like rap music. I like rap music when it is lyrically clever, when it involves a lot of vocal dexterity, when it is about something that is real and something that is very, very meaningful. For me, it's always been a very raw, hard-edged, personal kind of thing. And the kind of music that, you know, Migos is making and other people in that area is not that. And I kind of have to say, like, you know, so it's not that I think that the music is bad. It is just fundamentally not what I expect this thing to be. So the le- if I let go of it as being a singular thing of like this being the rap music of the now, mm-hmm. it bothers me less and I, I don't think about it as much. I'm like, well, they're doing their own thing. The stuff that I liked, you know, from back in like, you know, the early 2000s, like late 90s, that kind of stuff is still there and that's still good. And there are people still carrying on that today. And it's about trying to pursue the things that you enjoy. Can we talk about, can we talk about um, two things actually uh, that I want to bring to the table? Uh, one... You all may recall that in the early to mid 2000s to 2010s, 
there was a rise in the whole idea of um, criticism, uh, in big air quotes, um, critiques of movies and the like, where the whole purpose is was just to lambast it and be like, oh, this thing sucks. Cinema Sins, I, like, I watched one thing of Cinema Sins ever and I got so angry because it is so vapid and empty and meaningless. Yeah. But it gets tremendous viewership because people think that nitpicking is somehow a valid form of critiquing a piece yeah. of art. Like, yeah. what the fuck There's, is that? Well, no piece of art is perfect. Every piece of art will have some problem. Apart from Mad Max Fury Road. Which apart is from Mad Max Fury Road. And yet Perry doesn't like it. We've got to kill him. No, we can't. Um, He's a lovely <laughs> friend of the show, That's Richard. The we can, we're allowed to like different things. Exactly. Um... But, uh, yeah, CinemaSins really pissed, like, especially because a lot of the things it was pointing out, it's like, oh, here's a problem. It's like, that's not a problem. Hmm. That's fine. A hmm. film is allowed to do that. Or, that's not a problem because that's the very point it's making. Hmm. Yeah. You, you have this whole thing that um, I was really impressed with. Um, it's easier to, to get clicks or to get a response from negative emotion mm, because yeah. people will either disagree with you and feel very strongly and want <clears> to watch it so they can be like, I'm going to watch it and debunk all their yeah. arguments. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Or people like, I've never heard of this, but it's always fun to see something get destroyed, which is a little yeah. sad that that's yeah. where our discourse is. Also, negative emotion online is a louder emotion because like, if someone hates something, they're more compelled to go and write about it. Yeah. Or if someone likes about it, likes something, they don't feel the need to share that. I will give a shout out to Movie Bob who does his ser series where he does long-form reviews called Really That Good, where he will look at a film or a series of films or a franchise in great detail and will just be like, we all commonly accept that this is a really good thing. Here's why it's really that good. Like he did the um, first Matrix film, he did the original Transformers movie, the like old 1980s one, did like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. So he was just like, no, they really are that actually that good and if you look at them in the context when they were made and you look at what they did at that time it's it's really uplifting and it's like lovely stuff but there's not enough of that it's like you know you're not it's it's not cool to like things it's not cool to display passion in some ways i feel mm, yeah which is really depressing in a way because you're like you if you don't have a passion for something then you'll never make anything and i think given that we've we've been talking about um on the saddest night out we were talking about how um the, one of the reasons that people need to make stuff is because we all have an opportunity now. We all have a platform. Yeah. It's never been easier to put your work out there so people can hear it or see it or read it or whatever. And if we create, if we live in a culture where the popular opinion is to deliberately savage things or to be cruel to people when they try and make something, then that's going to try yeah. and push people away from like, being oh, creative. Oh, hey, look, no more art. You did that. Yeah, which is not what you want. If I may turn the dial slightly. Yeah. So we were talking about how there's an overriding culture of just wanting to nitpick and tear things down. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther recently came out. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. It's a yeah, Marvel yeah. film. Yeah. I still haven't seen it, but I Blast have seen... Me. I know, I know. <laughs> if, oh, the shame. I feel like people can smell it on me. <laughs> <laughs> but you cannot deny there's been an... Not overwhelming, but there's been a... A massive outpouring of support for that film. Even yeah. I think it had the it broke records for pre-orders yep. before it came out. Yeah, people wanted this to be good, mm. and then oh, it God, was yeah. good. And I, I'm all for that kind of support, but I'm I haven't seen it yet. But I choose to believe the film itself is actually good, and that's why it's, it's very, got that support. Very clever because there has been. 
there has also grown an element of a piece of art. You don't just judge it on its merits, but also what it represents. So if you do yeah. or don't well, yeah. like something, well, yeah, you can never respond to something says, without the context. And I feel like a real lightning rod for that was the all-female Ghostbusters film. Ooh, ooh. Like yes. You, <laughs> the normal conversation about whether it was good or not was completely overshadowed by... If you like it, it's just because you're trying to be a feminist yeah. or at signal. You swedge! And if you don't like it, similar reasons, it's because it's all women. Because and you can, you're you a sexist. Women, et cetera, et yeah, my, my assessment of that film has always been, it's okay. And, that's, and that is the worst thing it could have been. Because yes. that means both sides feel vindicated. Yeah. Both, because the people who hate it, like, see, it's terrible. And people who liked it, what are you talking about? It was awesome. And then both of them are fighting to get the popular opinion. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, I feel like that with... If you look at the difference between Black Panther and uh, uh, female Ghostbusters, one of the things I think that really made it difficult for female Ghostbusters is that it was meant to be this paradigm-shifting kind of like, hey, we're going to do essentially an action-comedy movie with an all-female cast from a property that people really, really like. Yeah. The problem was that it wasn't, it didn't have the surrounding superstructure of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And their Ghostbusters exists already as this film which people have a massive bank of nostalgia for. Comparatively, while Black Panther has been operating since like the 70s, I think, yeah, Yeah. Um, has been operating since the 70s, he's been exclusively in comics and in some of the TV shows. So he's much less well-known. So there's much less of a sense of defensiveness that this is... As we were saying, like because you may root part of your identity in the fact that you think Ghostbusters is genius. Ruined childhood brigade. Oh, ruined childhood... Just... Oh my god, that's such a reductive, stupid term. People say, oh my god, this ruined my childhood because it's a completely different thing to the thing that still exists. Like, you could just go watch Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2. But that that said, they do, like... Uh, they, they do cast the ex- existing thing in a new re- relief. Like, you, it's hard to watch the original trilogies of Star Wars now without going, like, oh, so Darth Vader had this Padme woman and and this is who the the Emperor is. And, like, like of course you can... The films are technically the same. You can still watch them in the same way. Hmm. Uh, but it's, it's undeniable the way... Like, the context of the way we view them has changed. Yes. So... <laughs> Sorry, you seem yeah, to. So, yeah, I thought you see what you said. You were saying like uh, it was a prelude so, to some larger. So point. yeah, the ruined childhood brigade. Right? Um, <laughs> I mean, ruined is always like. There's all, again. It's like people like to get high on their own drama, <laughs> where it's like they really want to have have this outrage and have these opinions and be able to sort of express wildly online or like in person because you know basically we're all terrified lonely beings who feel like I need to make some kind of a connection I want you to see <laughs> love me, me. love oh me oh my god well not even love me just have an opinion about me I'm significant screamed the piece of dust mm. like you Bill Waters, uh, Waterton from Cameron Hobbs um, but the thing I would say is that the notion that so- by updating or changing something that was around when you were a kid dilutes or changes the thing that already was I think that's like again, it, it it kind of removes some of the power that you had for that. It's yeah. like if you want to claim that, like, oh, you know, uh, Star Wars was the most important thing in my childhood. It completely defined my childhood, and I was like a Star Wars kid. I had like the Vader mask and everything. That may have been your childhood. Your childhood still happened. That yeah, that's still true, shaped yeah. you. That shaped no you. It away. Yeah, Go that away. shaped you into the person that you are now. You are still that person, whether or not they try and make some more money. On Indeed. It. And then a new Star Wars comes out, and it's not something that you liked. For example, that just means that adult you doesn't like that thing. 
the child you is completely yeah. removed from that. It's true, yeah, you don't, like, just because you've rooted your identity in the original doesn't mean you also have to root your identity in the new thing. Exactly. Like, yeah. you can still be a Star Wars kid from back in the day, but just in a grown-up body, and just don't watch the other movies <laughs> or whatever. Another thing that concerns me, especially, uh, just going back to highlight the original topic of popular opinions, mm-hmm. a lot of people espouse that opinion of, oh, this ruined my childhood, etc., etc., as the odd tweet here and there. So what concerns me a little as well is when news organisations will collect those tweets and present it as if this is the popular opinion oh, on this yeah. thing. Yeah. Because yeah. this random per- user 129 said this yeah. and user 573 Which said is especially this. problematic because um, hate is a louder emotion. Yeah. And I've, I've seen so many like news which like uh, yeah, this, like when Jodie Whittaker was announced as the new Doctor, there was a, a, oh, a, a, a there was a backlash. Yeah. yeah, and of course, new news outlets picked up on that. But um, if you actually look at it, the backlash is very small. Yes, it's like most of the most of the reaction has been <clears throat> overwhelming support. Mm-hmm. Most people are actually really happy or kind of indifferent. The it's just that the, the like, yeah and, and so that had, like, fans are like like well okay sure three fans are angry like you can say that oh yeah fans are angry but but it doesn't necessarily represent yeah like, well, do, you, do you remember the um, the amount of media hand wringing there was over the boycott Star Wars movement when the first trailer came out? And they were like, "A black stormtrooper." I mean, I'm not racist, but you, know, <laughs> and you had this, you know, a minorly trending hashtag of boycott Star Wars. Did that impact the Force Awakens making all the money? Yeah. No, I mean, I remember even, well, even before it was released, I remember like saying to someone, like, no, well, what, no matter how good that film is, it is at least progress that the film that is going to make most money this year, because let's face it, it will. It will. Is, and it is, has a, you know, the, the stars are a black man and a woman. Yeah. Like, and doesn't, doesn't matter how good it is, we've already achieved that the highest grossing film of this year has done that. The fact that Disney is willing to take a punt on giving a platform to, you know, persons from those backgrounds yeah. is like, hey, we can pin our entire franchise on you guys. It's like, great. Yeah. Wonderful. And again, hate always seems louder. Yeah. And so this is the thing I'm trying. I'm trying to do again with myself is like, in the same way that I'm, you're, John Green's trying to have less opinions. I'm just trying to listen more mm, and yeah. like actually listen to people rather than sort of being like, fucking what? Yeah. And just not saying anything. I mean, trying to look at what they're saying, why they're saying it, and trying to understand because I've been guilty of sometimes thinking that you know groups have a monolithic monolithic opinion of something yeah like you know any given fandom like i was even guilty of it like um i used to think that you know there was such a thing as the monolithic black identity because like you know i grew up in the south of england where there are very few black people i was just like well this is how they collectively (laughs) it's sort of like i assume and then i started consuming more media where you heard lots of differing opinions from black voices and i was like oh yeah they're people And then you realise, like, okay, yeah, that was a really limited way of thinking, but now I'm addressing that by trying to gather more information and open myself up to sort of thinking, well, no no one is an island, but also everyone is is an individual. Like, we're all kind of, like, being able to make an opinion as a group, but we still retain our individuality as part of that. See, I... I worry about where that... I, I've said, I think I've said worry quite a lot. I don't, I don't just worry. It's good to have concerns. <laughs> one that comes to mind is because there's been this talk about Russia hacking elections, etc., etc., and Russian mm. bots and so on. There are... I think, like, Alex Jones, the 
infamous personality on the internet who likes to yell and rant about all kinds of things. Yeah, the, the, the name alone, the frogs gay. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, the name gay. alone can elicit quite the response. Yeah. I feel like that voice in general has always existed, but for the most part, it's been way, way down low. Of course, there's that one crazy guy who says it's whatever. Mm. My, I don't fully understand the Russian hacking, but I feel like there's... Because we, to some degree, we weigh how popular an opinion is by the numbers it generates. Yeah. When it comes to the internet, you can artificially inflate those numbers. Mm. So you get an Alex Jones-like voice getting one or two thousand views on YouTube, whatever. If he's getting half a million views, then by default, I think, oh, maybe it's an important thing. Maybe I should consider what's going on. And I feel like now the public debate has to include opinions that everyone at the table might think, this is just ridiculous, what on earth is this? But because it's got some views now, now we actually have to discuss this kind of situation. So this comes to a thing that has been coming up a lot in some of the circles that I've been moving through, which is the question of uh, deplatforming versus um, engaging with toxic ideology. So there was a fun news story that came out recently that Richard Spencer, um, noted Nazi and face of the alt-right, said that anti- the actions of Antifa had made protests not fun anymore. Aww. To which lots of people were like, oh, babe, what a shame. You don't get to go around and espouse hate speech. Well, um, you know, take, without take people this, turning up to try. Take this microscope so you can see my tiny violin. It's so small. <laughs> um, but this is the thing that, on the one hand, I'm all in favour of deplatforming, say, Nazis. If you are a Nazi, you should not be allowed to have your views heard because your views are Nazi we've, views. We've had this argument. We we've lost. literally had a whole war. <laughs> um, however, yeah. the problem is, is when you get into less extreme gradients of, say, the right wing, for example, or mm-hmm. even extreme gradients of the left wing. It's like, on the one hand, the vast majority of people are like, well, these ideas seem stupid or unfeasible or, you know, problematic or hate speechy. But the without actually being able to um, if, if we don't want to de-platform people because if we do that, we are using, we are just silencing their voices and that gives them a stick with which them to say, look, look, see how I'm being oppressed. Police, oh my God, yeah. And, all that kind of stuff, and they yeah. can use those negative emotions to try and push their agenda and push their ideas. And yeah. I say, this is yes. what the mainstream doesn't want you to know because no oh, one, yes. no one wants to be part of the mainstream. I don't think, I've never met anyone who says like, oh, I really like it that my opinion agrees with everybody else's. Everyone li- likes to think on some level that my ideas are different and special and are like, you know, they're my own. And no one's really quite like me, which is all true. But also, <laughs> you may find there's an awful lot of people who agree with you on an awful lot of number of things. So if you then have someone saying, I'm the subversive outside voice, this is what they don't want you to hear, yeah. then that's seductive. That draws you in and you sort of feel like, oh, maybe I should listen to this guy because he's actively being censored. And censorship yeah. is bad. Yeah. I'm against, we're all against censorship, aren't we, guys? You know. Yeah. So, so well, I guess the response to to uh, like giving everyone a platform is also, but I mean, we also need to make sure that people are empowered to know how to respond to the things they hear, how to digest and criticize and analyze things. Not get your political information from memes. <laughs> it's oh, God, a good yeah. start, you know. There's yeah. a lot of that knocking about. But the so you, but the thing is you. Do you have to give air to by by engaging with these ideas and saying, "Look, your ideas about like a white ethno state are really fucking stupid. Here's why they're really fucking stupid." But by doing that, you're technically giving a platform to the idea of having a white ethno state, yeah. for yes. example. And is that more harmful, or is the you going to be doing more damage by suppressing that idea and that giving them the whole notion of being like, "Well, they just don't want you to know." Exactly. Yeah, that's it's a-, a difficult balance to strike. 
It's a yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a dance that no one seems to have figured out yet, and it seems to be dragging everything into the chaos with yeah. it. Because yeah. I feel like maybe it's just because I was younger, but I felt like in the past there was a there on some level was a right and a wrong, and mm. you knew who the good guys were and who the bad guys were. But now, now all the good guys are turning out to be sex offenders. There's definitely <laughs> an element of that, but it mm. seems like. The bad guys have found a way to twist the narrative of being a bad guy. It's not that what they're thinking is bad. Because I remember reading, it wasn't Breitbart, but it was some even more... Daily Stormer sort of thing? Yes, yeah. I think some art, some emails or whatever leaked of part of their process for putting out their, yeah, yeah, their yeah. methods. This was like, a, this was like uh, about a year or two ago, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Milo Yiannopoulos and Steve Bannon and all that talking yeah. about like what they're up to. And they were saying how a part of it was, you don't just come out and say, we hate X, Y, Z. Yeah. To approach it with sarcastic humour, to lure them in, and then before they know it, they they are on your side, and it's hard for them to disagree with you because they've come this far with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so when it, yeah, it feels like popular opinion, especially with the internet, can be really manipulated, and it's left me feel again I fall back to that feeling of being detached, where I don't because it feels like if you get attached to an opinion and you shout down one thing all you do is fuel it because they, instead of being like yeah we're wrong it's oh they don't want you to think that just as you said that's a really yeah. popular tagline so it's very tough to try and clear the wheat from the chaff and say no this is the opinion mm. everyone's figured out a way to reframe and restructure how their opinion comes across a so thing in that, certain lights it works a thing I was discussing with a friend of mine um, who she's she's very politically engaged and she's lived in uh, Cairo, she's lived in America, she's lived in the UK, she's very well travelled and sort of very politically engaged, uh, does stuff to do with economics, I believe, so sort of very statistically minded as well. Um, in the wake of the recent stuff about um, Jeremy Corbyn and the anti-Semitism row over Labour, which is just, oh God, this scandal, Jesus Christ, this scandal, <laughs> this scandal is so fucking stupid. But one of the things that um, we were discussing and a thing that I felt I, I, when I articulated it to her as something I was like I hadn't realised I'd actually hit upon something that I'd not really considered before is that as we're getting more hyper-partisan as you know it's harder lines are being drawn between left and right because now we're all able to yell at each other equally across the internet we're all realising that like oh hey I disagree with you really strongly and you know you're being dragged towards this extreme and I'm being dragged towards that extreme we're both it's easier to double down on your beliefs and just move further and further away I've noticed that particularly with the left is that because we are being faced with a resurgence of fascism which is a very legitimate real concern the problem is is that the left is very unwilling to concede or even question uh, even the most basic points of their ideology because there seems to be some kind of perceived fear that if you concede on one thing that somehow invalidates your entire ideology and it's like that just shows that you either don't fully understand the ideas you're espousing, yeah. or you don't believe in them. Well, that's not democracy, right there. If you if you can't like examine and change your opinions, mm. um, yeah. so uh, this got way more into politics than I was expecting. So I'm just going <laughs> to course correct here, because yeah. Um, yeah. So because the, the other thing I want to talk about don't is silence. <laughs> is is uh, also because there is you know how you as we've been discussing how you, how like the media handles this and how you interact with people online, but there's also um, like what happens when you meet face-to-face with someone who has an opposite opinion to you? Um, and how do you handle that? Especially if it's something that you feel very strongly about. I think uh, there's a few examples of this uh, I, uh, that I've done and that I'm trying... That has been sort of learning moments of like how, how to behave. Uh, I guess I'll start with... Um, 
recently me and Nick had uh, after a Hindu, uh, a friend of ours uh, stayed the stayed the night uh, because uh, she will they remain nameless to protect the innocent? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure she'd appreciate it. Uh, we could push uh, her SoundCloud. That's true. <laughs> Uh, so I'll, I'll say it now and you can cut it out afterwards if you okay, don't want it. You've okay, got okay. Uh, Charlie Lim, you should check out her SoundCloud. She's also in the band Patchwork Skies, which is a great folk band. They're really brilliant. Good band. Listen to them, they're really cool. Yeah. Um, so she stayed over, uh, and uh, you know, because it wasn't too late, when we put on Netflix and we asked her what she wanted to watch. And she said, Friends. And both Nick and I have opinions about Friends. <laughs> um we... Right to look at like, oh really? <laughs> and there's a, there's a thing, the thing, the popular opinion of Friends is that oh it's fine, it's just harmful entertainment and harmless. That is a great It's just harmless, you know, like fun. You don't think about it too hard. But of course, me and Nick think about everything too hard. Uh, and so we, we sort of reacted with like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> And poor, poor Charlie, I guess we're committing to having her name, because I'm not cutting out every mention of her name. Um, like, and then we, we got into this moment where, like, you know, we, we did put a few episodes of Friends on, but then we also had, like, you know, she asked us why we didn't seem so fond of it, and we had to explain. And, uh, and we sort of left that evening sort of feeling very, sort of, oh, we, we ruined that for her. Like, like she, we, I wouldn't say ruined, it's like, I, I felt like that we, again, kind of come across as dismissive of her enjoyment of it. Yeah. Which is something that, like, again, which I said at the top of the show, it's like, I'm trying to not do that. If people are enjoying a thing, even if I don't like it, if it's not actively harmful... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this, is, this is why I have been different about Ready Player One. I've been very sort of active about like, at least pointing out the flaws of the book. I've not seen the film yet, so I don't know if they've translated. Uh, but when people say, like, yeah, because like, well, I feel like a lot of the flaws of Ready Player One, like, you don't notice right away. This is your annual. This is your weekly. Well, it's not quite that monthly dose of Jim and Nick take a shit on Ready Player One because probably. But, it, but that's do. the thing. Like lots of people, just uh, you know, find the nostalgia en- enough. And I they... remember the eighties. Do you remember the eighties? Remember the eighties? Really? Like were you were you alive? <laughs> because I was only alive for the last few months, and I don't remember that. I saw well, Blade Runner. To be up, like uh, to tie in with your idea of like. IRL encounters yeah. of oh you everyone likes I don't like this and uh, uh, I go to a lot of smaller live music shows in London now most of the shows I go to I don't know the band before I go because I have this kind of potentially irrational fear that as we kind of touched on you get stuck on these echo chambers when it comes to art particularly music it's increasingly algorithms that bring you new music because oh, they know God. exactly what you like yeah. and just feed you more of it but I think, like, one of my... You were saying one of your mantras is it's okay to like different things? Yeah, 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 One of mine, I've just forgotten it midway through this <laughs> sentence. It's, that's it. Yes, a lot of people are preaching to the converted, but it's the converting where the magic happens. Mm. And I am... Like, part of my whole ethos with my podcast, etc., is to shine more of a light on going to something without knowing what you might find. Yeah. With them on the potential that you might find something amazing. Being open. And that, Yeah, exactly. So I'll go to a lot of shows, and I won't always like the artists that I've seen. And this brings me back a little bit to my principal Skinner phrase I mentioned earlier, where I can very easily just cross my arms, but nope, I don't like this, it doesn't sound like the thing I do like, so it's, it's a write-off. Now I try to see it on its own merits, 
and especially since I tend to talk to the people who make the music, I won't start to be like, so I hate what you just made, but why did you make it? That will lead to the most conducive conversation. So it does, I do try and dip into what you mentioned, Nick, in our previous conversation about it's not just the the art they create, but the the why. Not the what, but the why yeah, of yeah, what yeah. they make. There's well. always a process there that, you yeah. know, you, like... No one, well, some people, no one, most people don't set out to make, like, something that has no value. Yeah. Everyone makes something because they think on some level that it is worth the time and effort to make the thing. And even if the end result of that is, like, if we do this, we can make a little bit of money, you yeah. know, then that's, that's fine. You know, that's a perfectly reasonable well, reason friend, to do things. Friends was actually, for the time, very progressive. Like, it showed a lesbian couple with a parent. with a, it starts a parent. lesbian relationship. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and so, but, but then it's, it's only... It just hasn't aged well, is really our opinion. Um, and this Ross a, is an asshole. This is the thing I was going to kind of say, is that the unpopular opinions I find, and I think where a lot of the knee-jerk responses of people being very, very defensive over their nostalgia, um, it's it's difficult with the passage of time to look back on something and realise, oh no, <laughs> oh I really liked this when I was young. Like, I used to really like James Bond when I was a kid. Mm. I can't fucking stand James Bond anymore. <laughs> Just because it's this relic of a bygone era where some fucking white straight dude in a suit would murder people, womanize, and people go, ah, that's great, that's what I want to be. I'm like... He's a spy whose catchphrase is telling people his real name. <laughs> Not even that, it's like, you know, you have the stuff like, you know, like the whole thing with Pussy Galore, mm. where she was a lesbian and he converted her with his magical penis... You know, Sorry, just my skin is crawling. Yeah, 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 and it's like even and even you get shades of that kind of really weird stuff, you know, with regards to like sexuality and like you know nature of consent that even showed up in fucking um, Skyfall, where there's that he meets that woman who is like, oh, I was human trafficked and a sex slave. I'm yeah, super yeah. uncomfortable about being with men. And he's like, I don't know what I'll do. I'll climb into the <laughs> fucking shower with her. Mm. When she, when she oh, doesn't yeah. know that I'm there, yeah. even. Yeah. And, and that happened, like, three, what, four years ago or something? And then, and then she shot. Then she shot in the head, because, like, yeah, disposable Not women, true. why not? So, it's difficult sometimes to look back on a thing that you really, really liked, and then be like, oh, no. Yeah. This yeah. either isn't as good, or is worse still problematic. Like, I used to fucking love Street Sharks. Like, Street Sharks, great team, great fucking show. I loved it. However, I went back and watched some of it recently. Boy, does that not hold up. And I realized, <laughs> oh yeah, this was just part of that whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles inspired craze where every company was like, let's have a toy line of animal men people and give them a cartoon and we'll make all the money. Which they, they made a ton of money, but also the show reflects that and it's not really <laughs> very good. And I'm like, oh no. So when you had this person who really wanted to watch Friends... Was it? Did you like Friends at the time back in the day? No, this. Well, oh, oh, back in the day. Back yeah. in the day. Back in the day. Yeah, but then that was also kind of because my first real introduction to Friends was an episode of the Animaniacs doing a spoof. And like, and so, and that told me that like, and I found it funny even though I didn't know what Friends was because I'm like, oh, this is a thing I'm supposed to recognize. And and then there's that, and that is only then that I started watching it because Animaniacs told me that it's a thing I should recognize. And I and, think I had almost the same thing. Yeah, really? <laughs> no, no, not Animaniacs. Though, on SMTV Live, they oh, had chums. 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 <laughs> chums were so good. Like, and like, I, I didn't fully understand what Friends was, but then like, I saw Chums and I found that funny because, you know, at the time you just yeah. find that kind of stuff funny. And then I saw Friends, I was like, oh, oh, 
And then uh, that I also sort of really equated friends as a thing I did like as a family. Mm. Like me and my elder sister, my mum and my dad, we would all sit down because it was on like quite late. And the UK, was, right? Yeah, but it was also, like, there was that point where it was on Channel 4 constantly. Yeah, that was in, yeah. like, when I'd gone away to uni, it was uh. just on repeat. But, like, when it was actually coming out, like, back in, like, the 90s and stuff, um, once I was, like, old enough to actually sort of have an awareness of what was going on, my parents would let me stay up, because it was on, a, I think it was, like, 9 o'clock on a Friday or something, mm. and we would watch it together as a family. And there were lots of jokes and stuff in it that went straight over my head, but I really liked being treated like an adult, because I was able to be in the room with all the grown-ups and watch the mm. grown-up show about the relationships. And like, oh. but, so, in the last few minutes, uh, I have one more story that, uh, that I might want to, to represent. Uh, a sort of thing me. that I've been trying to work on. Uh, it's so... Um, cast your minds back to... I mean, you probably won't remember, uh, because I'm the only one who watches Doctor Who. Um, but when... I've watched some se- Doctor Who. Season 5 of Doctor Who, which was Stephen Moffat's first series. Which Doctor um, is this? This story? is Matt Smith's first series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah and there was, I mean, and there was a whole regime change, and it was a whole new direction for the show. And at that point, you know, I was, you know, it was Russell T. Davies, had been doing it for four years, and had, like, his had been becoming like, progressively more like the stuff that he does and I, I by the end of it I was like I'm ready for something different I feel this is a bit cheesy now and by just, by oh. by comparison um, season 5 of Doctor Who was way more mature I mean it's, it seems a bit weird now like seeing Stephen Moffat's whole run to say that uh, but season 5 compared to season 4 was like oh it's it's oh it's HD now it's popular in America now it's it's sort of it's kind of the music is, is way like less like British TV more orchestral it's like oh it's kind of grown up and I was like I'm loving this and then I met my friend Donna uh, and she didn't like it she said oh I just think it's really cheesy and it's not as and the quality is dipped I was like oh that's so interesting because that is the complete opposite of my opinion mm. and so then I was like oh why do you think that I was like I don't know I just do mm. and then <laughs> my you know media analyst film studenty brain was just like yeah, but why? There's got to be a reason. <laughs> and said, like, people don't just think yeah. things. And and then I began sort of pressing her on this. It's, it's just one thing. I just think it's cheesy. Yes, but why? And I just get, and um, I sort of realised. Oh, I'm coming across now that I'm wanting to defend her opinion because I think that she's wrong. And while I don't agree with her, I'm the reason I'm doing this is because I'm really interested into how she reached this. Because what if there's something I've missed? Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where I realised. Oh, I'm looking like a crazy person yeah. because and. And sort of having to realise that, oh, not everyone engages with media in the same way I do. Mm, so, like, why... It's not really fair for me to force them to. Because now I'm putting Donna in this really uncomfortable position. Uh, like, she... No one likes having justify yourself yeah, laid okay. at them with, like, such fervour. Because you can be quite fervent when you want to, Jim. Yeah, which... Uh, which... I don't mean to be. Uh, I thought we said no accusations. Accuse! Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, but, so that is the thing I'm trying to work, because I know that my, my intention was never to try and change her mind. Uh, I was just really interested in why she thought what she did. Hmm. And it sort of baffled me that someone wouldn't know where their opinion came from. Hmm. Uh, well, but that, I, that, I feel like, leans towards something we touched on earlier about the strength of certain institutions who would decree this is the general opinion on mm. this. Some people still cling to that. So when it comes to music, I really like the music I like, but I'm very surface about everything else. So you mentioned Migos earlier. Yeah. Like some stuff, I fully recognise how vapid it can come across. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I just heartily indulge in that vapidness and That's go right, right along yeah, with which, it. Yeah. So I'm not too hung up on 
either either opinion whether you like it or dislike it. And I think for some people, when it comes to music, they'll only like a song they've heard a hundred times on the on Radio One or something. Mm-hmm. They won't go and look for the thing that could really cherish us. Oh, I've heard that quite a lot, and just by default, I like it because it must be good if they're playing it a lot. Sidebar to that, actually, just real quick. Um, when I was working in an office job a couple of years ago. We used to all ha- just have headphones and listen to our own music, and our boss was like, oh, "I just think it's really antisocial that we're not all listening to the same music together." I'll get a radio, mm-hmm. and what this meant was that we ended up having Radio One on along. I didn't realize because I hadn't listened to the radio for a good like half a decade by that point, and I didn't realize that Radio One, at least at that point during the working day, would play about fifteen songs, oh, and that oh, was yeah. it. Oh, yeah, I've had this experience. And, like, that's a way that you force something onto yeah. people culturally. Well, especially, like, when I was doing... Uh, I did work experience in Yorkshire, um, and they played, uh, I think it was Galaxy 105, number one for dance and R&B. Oh, God, um, you. <laughs> everyone listened to that. Um, and you could tell what time of the day it was by what song they were playing, mm. because it was the same every day. <laughs> yeah. And it drove me insane, especially mm. it was that Madonna song, at time goes by. Oh man! So, slowly, and when you're when you're at work experience, waiting for the day to end, time goes <laughs> so slowly. But it's it's like a, you you have something like that, and it's like if you hear something enough, you end up just kind of being like, yeah, it's all right, you yeah, know. And you, that, the the general, I've heard it, I've heard it a lot, so I guess yes, it's good. Your defenses are worn down. So then, when you approach it from the the position of I really care about this stuff. And I want to tell you all the reasons you shouldn't like this thing, and you should like these things instead. Like you had with your friend about Doctor Who. Mm. You can catch yourself being a bit of a crazy person. Like, no, no, trust me. <laughs> so a part of me has learned to just accept. So I, when it comes to Ed Sheeran, I, uh... I, I'm nothing Ed Sheeran. I don't <laughs> love him. I don't like him. I don't loathe him or anything. He exists. I understand why people gravitate towards it. Mm. I understand why people might critique it. And... More power to him. Let him do what he wants to do. Whereas younger me would have been like, "That's not real music. <laughs> you should listen to this stuff. This is earthy. This is." I I I literally had the thing of like I. Oh, it's gonna make me sound like such like the worst kind of hipster. I knew about Ed Sheeran before he got big. <laughs> you like um, his stuff? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. And genuinely. Yeah, genuinely, it's like it's really interesting how his music has changed. I don't. I didn't particularly love his stuff that much. Like I was like, this is quite good because he was a young dude. Like. Clearly writing his own songs, clearly doing all his own performances and stuff, very engaging with crowds, like because I listened to like a bunch of stuff from his live sets and he's really good at like engaging yeah, people. Absolutely. And I was like, that's great. I'm glad that he's doing stuff. And he also made references to what was it, um uh Red by Laid Black in one of his performances. I was just like, Good reference, well done, well done. Um and then his album came out. I bought the album and it was interesting because it was a lot of it was music that I'd heard before. But it had been remastered and smoothed out, and it just didn't quite feel right. And I was like, "This is this is okay." Yeah. And then the follow-up album came out, and I didn't buy it. And then I, he also, by that point, had become an absurd cultural megastar, Ed Sheeran. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh no, he <laughs> mm, he's been in a way." And I feel bad for saying this because he is like he his story is really interesting because you know he like didn't go to university like he basically couch surfed for like two years just working on his music like you know living from open mic to open mic and like really did his time like trying yeah, to get yeah. big and then Absolutely. but i feel like he got too much success too quickly it put him in a position where he was very much changed by the experience of fame and that made him incredibly popular like you know he's what the second biggest no third biggest 
like pop star on the planet right now maybe yeah. like it's because it's what Taylor Swift Beyonce Ed Sheeran he's in that in fact, the mere fact he's in that conversation like, yeah it's, it's like, like you know like he is he has become absurdly generous but at the same time I feel that it's less good now it's less interesting it's less intimate and less real which is kind of like so I don't begrudge anyone for saying oh I really like a Sheeran I'm like cool yeah fine yeah in fact he's an interesting figurehead for this whole conversation because yeah. he is very popular full stop yes there is a popular opinion that he's not very good yeah that he's, yeah. That he's what's the same with James Blunt as I well I was going like, to say yeah, James Blunt, James yeah, Blunt. I, I like a lot of his music but the popular opinion is is that oh it's all miserable and no one likes him it's not cool I, to like him yeah that kind of, yeah. I thought he was alright at the time I was just I like just, this is okay still, and I was like, still oh, listen awful. to some like, of his songs yeah. yeah so I feel like there's no definitive right answer there on whether you should or shouldn't like him mm. and I think that it's to some degree a healthy place to be with him because I don't think what he's doing is innately destructive. No. Whether you like it or dislike it is another thing, but he's allowed to exist and yeah, the, the two any opinions harm. are allowed to coexist. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be anything too. I mean, yes, I wasn't a big fan of his appearance from Game of Thrones. So I just realised you don't watch that, so you can't know talking about. <laughs> no, I don't. That goes as well. Like everyone, everyone says we're supposed to watch Game of Thrones, but I just sort of look at it from the side. I don't think this will interest me. Game of yeah. Thrones just is not as good as people say it is. See, I enjoy it, but I don't feel like, oh, you, you should check it out, you must know it. <laughs> no, not fair. My, my general it. thing is I have lots of people say to me, like, is Game of Thrones worth it? And I, I have to actually really think about it. Yeah. Because it is a sp- specific kind of person. If you're going to get into it, like some friends I have, love it. I think it's yeah. amazing. Other friends, I'm like, it's you're not going to. It's just, it'll be a lot of time and effort for not much response. I'm just like... Yeah, oh, and as someone who's a fan, I'll do the, even the Dark Knight trade and so on, it's like... I won't be like, yes, watch it, you'll love it, because that kind of forces my opinion on you. Oh. I'm more like, oh, that's that is the time of Go going. Yeah. So, right, round up this mess of stuff we've just spouted. <coughs> yeah. What's the point we're making? Um, Generally, people are allowed to like different things. You should be open yeah. to, but trying to experience media outside of what you're expecting, or rather, what society or culture is telling you to expect. Yeah. I guess also like don't don't necessarily like have opinions just because that's what the popular opinion is but at the same time if you find that your popular your opinion is unpopular like don't harsh other people's vibes or at least or at least uh, try to express disagreements in constructive friendly ways don't be a dick that's, generally yeah i mean that's, that's yes, that is what i am trying to do because i know that i fail at that sometimes as am i i can yeah. be very unintentionally crushing I think as time goes on, the weight of a popular opinion will only continue to fade yeah. to some degree. So don't don't let don't tattoo it to your soul mm. how you feel about certain things. If the popular opinion goes against your natural grain, so be it. Mm. So be. That's allowed. Yeah. We're a, to sum it all up, we're allowed to like different, different things. things. Yes, this has uh... been a waste of time. <laughs> of time feature the voices of me jim woodall along with nick hurd and roy lebogamu check out roy's podcast saddest night out on soundcloud and itunes music by anthony bullinger